Welcome back to another episode of Conversations on the Creek, the Duck Creek podcast where we interview thought leaders about how the latest insure tech is transforming the PNC insurance industry. Whether you work in underwriting, sales and marketing, claims, or an insurer's IT department, in each episode, we uncover the insights you need to reimagine the future of insurance. I'm Rob Savitsky, and in today's episode, we are so pumped to be joined by Ben Zimmerman, the founder and CEO of Opterix, who share his story behind the founding of his company and how proactive property risk intelligence is helping insurers identify, quantify, and mitigate losses from extreme events. If you don't know Opterix, Opterix helps insurance carriers proactively prepare and respond to severe weather, and deliver timely policyholder notifications to improve customer awareness and help protect assets and customer experience. Ben, I'm so glad we're able to sit down today. Welcome to Formation, where we are recording. How, uh, how are you and how's your Formation experience so far? Well, first of all, Rob, thanks for having me here. It's been several years since I've sat next to you, so great to see you again, brother. Great to see uh, both of us having success in our careers. And Formation 23, this is the first time I've actually been to a Duck Creek event, and it's fantastic. Your team is amazing. The people are so friendly. Uh, yeah, I got to say this about Duck Creek. Like, your employees are super friendly. Everywhere I turn, every conversation I have, it's all good stuff. So kudos to you and your marketing team for putting on an amazing event, to your product team for having an awesome product to, uh, to represent. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah, I know we met at, it was this geospatial conference in New Jersey, I think exactly four years ago. It yeah, might have been right. this month because I just joined Duck Creek and we were at none other than an innovation roundtable. An innovation is, roundtable focused on weather and mapping. Like how many, it was a very niche group of geeks showing up to uh, to that conference. And we were both there. So good to see you again. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Well, on that note, let's kick off with innovation. And I want to start with your, your backstory. I think today on the show, I want to cover a couple of things. You've got a really interesting story about innovation and entrepreneurship that I think a lot of carriers would be interested in, not just the, you know, the larger carriers who have innovation teams, but also the smaller ones who are just looking to innovate and understand some methodologies for, for doing, doing new things, which might be, you know, developing a new insurance company might be developing a technology that you then use to serve the industry. Uh, and then we'll spend some, some more time around climate change and, and extreme weather and some of the capabilities that, you know, you're thinking of helping insurers. But love it. What was going down in American family and, and how, how did you how did you develop this idea or concept for for Opterix? And I'll let you also explain in your own words what what, what you actually are doing these days. Yeah, I appreciate it. So you know, AmFam, a great organization. I really, really loved my time uh, at AmFam, and I'm still, you know, associated with them. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, great story. So, uh, uh, AmFam had really made a, I'll just say, cognitive shift into in, into dedicating uh, time, resources into innovation, and they started early. You know, this was like 2013, 2014. I came on late 2014, and. Um, Really, there's a gentleman by the name of Peter Gunder who ended up being a great business mentor to me. And at the time, Peter was the, the chief business development officer uh, at American Family and was really, you know, along with a gentleman named Dan Reed, responsible for standing up AmFam Ventures, which has really become a, a successful, um, you know, partner in a, in a number of, of startups that we see, you know, turning into unicorns, uh, early investor in like ring technology and and uh, you know several others like right. that. The doorbell security. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. So uh, it was great. Peter uh, sat down with me, um, and it was explained to me what they were wanting to build, and um, asked if I'd be interested. And I'm like, as a consultant, I'm like, oh, I get paid next month. That's great. So I was super excited to you know that starting my own 
business consulting uh, practice. Actually, I had my first client, uh, but it turned into so much more than that. Uh, my first day on the job, uh, it was just epic. I asked Peter, what, what do you want me to focus on? Like, what, what, am I, what am I working on? And he looked to me and said, well, you know all about weather and weather technology, and weather is really important to insurance, so go figure something out. Okay. And I just very, I, very broad set of guidelines. I, I looked at it, I was yeah. like dumbfounded. I'm like, right, this guy, like, trust me, this is amazing. And uh, so we figured some stuff out. I was given uh, really just like autonomous, um, a ton of autonomy. I was given access to like uh, top brass at American Family. So CEO, COO, head of claims, head of underwriting, head of customer engagement, head of marketing. Um, and yeah, they were like all in on innovation and it was really a top down philosophy. It wasn't like bottom up, like try to figure some stuff out and have all these great ideas just crushed. Like when the CEO is standing in front of the whole company saying we're doubling down on innovation, like give these people what they need. Uh, it worked. I mean, it really did work. So the first year and a half, um, I really just focused on whatever the business needed. So I would okay. you know, sit down with claims and be like, hey, talk to me about weather. Like, let's just for a moment pretend that I, I can solve your problems. Here's the magic wand. What does this thing need to do? And they would start mapping out the vision of a product. And it's like, I know how to build it, or at least I knew the people that knew how to build it. So I started bringing in people from my past life from the Weather Channel. And, you know, what started out as just me turned into like three or four people, turned into seven or eight people. And, you know, eventually we got to the point where we were taking up a pretty substantial chunk of AmFam's innovation budget. So they're like, you either need to become part of, you know, American Family's, uh, you know, IT division. Um, or we need to look at like restructuring you as a, as a business and letting you out into the wild. So right. That's what happened. And, and so what, what was that MVP that you, you worked on for, for Opterix? Yeah. So what's amazing about these proof of concepts or you know, minimum viable products for AmFam is that every single one of them is still in existence and it's part of our product suite. So the very first thing we were asked to do um, came from uh, Joe Gates. So at the time, Joe Gates, uh, who's now, um, he's head of risk at, uh, for property at uh, USAA, but he was the chief risk officer uh, at American Family. He was very interested in, in mapping and visualizing aggregate. So instead of like county level or zip code level measurements, he wanted to baseline the entire portfolio with like these equa area grids. Um, so at the time, they were these little squares, and he was interested in doing that because that's how he was receiving information from his cat modeling partners. So right. stuff would come from RMS, AIR, Equicat, and kind of manifest itself. Um, when he built these notional books, they'd manifest themselves in, in this gridded structure. Well, it just so happens that this gridded structure um, is exactly how we stored and managed numeric weather predictions. So all the forecast data you see on the Weather Channel and and other you know, weather websites actually leverage that same type of gridding um, for numeric weather forecasts. And I was looking at him and I'm like, I think I can build that. Like I've built stuff like that before. And uh, so he said, you got three months, like we're going to have a board meeting. I want to talk about this philosophy at the board meeting. I'll give you three months. And, uh, and yeah, within 90 days, we delivered what ultimately became, you know, accumulation or an aggregation management model. Uh, which required that the entire portfolio um, of American Family, which was actually like six subsidiaries, all of that data had to be loaded into kind of this ecosystem. 
And yeah, once all the exposure data was loaded, all these other use cases started popping up around claims, customer engagement, um, sales. Like it was awesome. Nice. Uh, I look a little bit smarter than I really am, you know. Yeah. Uh, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Sure. So 90 days, you had this mandate, go out and figure something out, and you, you had your proof of concept, and it sounds like you just kind of kept, you know, tweaking it and, and expanding it to other use cases across the insurance lifecycle. Yeah, I think for AmFam, innovation was a huge win. Uh, it was proof that... Let me, just to interrupt you one second, were you planning on spinning off from the oh, get-go, no. or was this just going to be for AmFam to have a competitive advantage in the market? Or Oh, no. I'm going home every day looking at my wife convincing her that we're still going to get another month's worth of pay. <laughs> I was like a contracted uh, contracted resources to prove that you can innovate, uh, you know, a, a great brand, a legacy carrier that you could still innovate from within. Uh, and really, Peter's, Peter Gunder's philosophy um, was interesting. He didn't really want to hire insurance experts. He's like, I've got thousands of them at my fingertips. He strategically hired people that knew how to build platforms in industries, uh, um, you know, like in subject matter experts that are adjacent to uh, insurance. So right. the innovation group was actually this very eclectic blend of like architects and designers, meteorologists. We had a lawyer in there um, and uh, yeah, it worked. We've we've had, you know, there's been several successful stories that have come from from uh, from this group. So uh, Amfam Innovation eventually turned into, um, uh, you know, I'd call it like a startup studio or an accelerator called Tenny 110. So uh, technically that's that's our parent, Tenny 110. The Venture Build Studio. The Venture Build Studio. And we actually, for listeners, we had American Family on the show last year. Dan Gumpright, your former colleague, had well. a little allusion to Opterics there. But I want to pivot the conversation a little bit, get more into the uh, the, the science behind what, what's what's happening in the world these days. So 2022, it was the eighth consecutive year in which we had 10 or more billion-dollar weather and climate disaster events that impacted the U.S. Could you maybe recap some of the key extreme events that uh, that happened last year? Yeah. So 2022, yeah, super active. In fact, this year, you know, we're 2023, we're already on on pace to like be the seventh consecutive year. So last year, I mean, the main story last year, of course, was Hurricane Ian, um, um, heavy concentration in some, uh, you know, highly populated areas, Fort Myers. Um, but there were a lot of other events, you know, May, I recall, February, huge severe weather outbreaks in Texas, um, lots of stuff going on in the Midwest uh, in the May, record drought and heat. Out west, uh, thankfully, this Pineapple Express has is, is, uh, brought a lot of moisture. Uh, well, it's funny, it, not funny. Um, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting spectrum. Now that there's so much water out there, there's concern that there's going to be a ton more growth. Um, you know, like under, you know, like underbrush and, and grass growth, and then another drought, there'll be even more fuel um, to burn. But I heard an interesting thing um, about 2022. Um, is that it was really like the year of a thousand cuts. So not only did you have these major cat events, but you had all of these just smaller secondary like hail mm-hmm. storms that were or just hitting, events. They're hitting yeah. metropolitan areas. So depending on how you're managing your aggregate, there's like this disproportionate loss happening for a number of carriers, especially uh, in the Midwest. So, you know, as far as like climate change goes, I, uh, you know, as a meteorologist, I've been uh, really, really interested in this from, you know, from the 90s. Um, you can't deny the data. Um, the losses are increasing. There's no question. 
where there is questions is like, is it just about climate or is it also about the fact that more and more people are moving to risk prone areas? You've kind of have these like multiplication factors um, going on. So yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on. I mean, there's no question. The weather of the last six years doesn't look like the average of the last 40, Uh, you know, huge tornado outbreaks in December, Um, deep freezes in Texas that are like bursting pipes. Like there's just, we're seeing stuff that we haven't seen at least at this frequency and severity, um, at least since I've been paying attention. So yeah, heavy emphasis on not just taking 40-year averages to build products and set pricing. Uh, I think there should be a lot more bias into what the volatility that we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years. And I will tell you, if, if the next 10 years look anything like the last six, uh, there's going to be tremendous disruption. And that's really that's really what we're focused on right now is a, the product of, of, of Opterix, our company. Sure. And when you look at hurricanes, hurricanes, floods, or severe, severe thunderstorm, uh, you know, you mentioned the hail. What's, what's your view on where things might be going from a frequency and intensity standpoint? Yeah. So if you just look at the macro drivers of climate change, so let's just ignore what we're seeing happening and let's just talk about a warming, uh, warming planet. So in the mid latitudes, which is kind of the U.S., especially, you know, the Midwest, um, and what I mean by mid latitudes, it's like, you know, let's just call it 45 degrees north latitude. Our weather is driven by what's called the jet stream. And the jet stream is a thermodynamic um, response to the temperature gradient that's generated by all the heating over the equators and all the freezing temperatures over the poles. So if global warming as a trend continues, you're going to see that jet stream actually shifting a little further north and weakening. So what does that mean? Well, the jet stream is a major contributor to severe convective storms. Like the right. stronger the jet stream, the stronger the storm. So if that's weakening, you could actually, you know, there's, you could say on average, some of these storms might be weakening. And in fact, I've seen some models that suggest hailstones might actually shrink uh, if, you're, if you're stripping away some of that gradient. Now, with that being said, you're going to have more volatility. So what I mean by that is, what we believe is that the severe weather is actually going to be stronger. But statistically, we might actually see a decrease in like the number of, um, you know, just typical hail events. That is all yet to be determined. What is certain is the macro drivers for things like flooding in hurricane. If you can inherently warm the atmosphere, you're going to be able to store more water water vapor in the atmosphere, which means things like heavy precipitation events, heavy downfall or, you know, um, downpours, localized flooding, almost guaranteed that's going to be increasing everywhere. The thing that's most frightening to me is that we're expecting some of these extreme hurricanes to be much stronger and they're going to meander. So the other thing about the jet stream is that once the storm starts moving further enough north, it gets ejected out into the Atlantic typically. And if that jet stream is weakening, you're going to have a lot more events that look like Hurricane Harvey. Oh, yeah. Where they just Stalled sit. in 50 inches of rain over. They just over. sit in one spot and just rain day after day after day. Uh, and we saw what happened to Houston. I mean, it's just epic um, displacement of people, a lot of destruction. So that's my, my, my number one concern. Yeah, yeah. No, so it sounds like severity going up, frequency not always necessarily going up. But the net net result is going to be more 
insured losses and more destruction and more opportunity for insurers to, to step in and, and really look to manage their books more closely. Yeah, I'm confident in saying the frequency and severity of extreme weather events is going to increase. I'm confident in saying that. Nice, nice. Well, appreciate that. Um, as we get closer to wrapping up here, maybe we talk a little bit about what are some of the, and this relates to what you, you guys do at Upteryx, what are some of the, the new ways to visualize data, to understand and prepare and respond to extreme events? Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. So one thing that we've done uh, for a long, long time, I, I didn't realize it was going to be that important in, in the insurance industry until we did it, is that we've been managing massive data sets at the Weather Channel ever since my career you know, started, or at least uh, you know, in the late 90s. So you know, we, when I go back and look at what we're doing, we were managing 4.5 petabytes of weather data a year. Wow. Uh, and that's why I cut my teeth on this. So that's just, I kind of just thought that's what people did. Um, but it you know, came to find out that that's not what people do. They're not managing massive data sets. So one of the very first things, um, you know, if you became an Opteric customer, is just the visualization of your entire portfolio. And we're talking like hundreds of millions of data points in real time. So a tech stack that we built at the Weather Channel was all about storing everything and making it available for real-time requests and visualizations. So you know, being able to visualize the data that you're already sitting on can be incredibly useful. And that's everything from from um, you know exposure like PIF or policies enforced to claims losses to marketing data. If it has a lat lawn and any type of number associated with it, like we visualize that uh, you know, immediately. So things like aggregation over accumulation, having pockets or neighborhoods with you know in which a carrier owns or has you know risk at every other address, we prevent that from happening. Because if you just let your sales team or your distribution you know, team go off and sell, and you're not monitoring that from an underwriting perspective, you're gonna come up with disproportionate losses. You'll have too much aggregation. So that's, you know, that's stuff that we focus on. Right. Um, but also you know, historic data. So we're able to leverage all of this amazing um, information from like, um, you know, from like NextRad radar networks. Uh, you know, we've got years and years of data that you can actually correlate your historic loss with these events. And we're building machine learning modeling around predictive claims um, that's it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. So really, really excited about that. You know, other technologies outside of Opterics that I'm really stoked about, um, a lot of uh, the, the feature extraction from top-down pictures is amazing, like remote sensing. So, you know, uh -huh. aerial imagery where you can actually programmatically identify that there's, uh, you know, there's combustible um, um, material within... 20 feet of a house without someone actually looking at the picture like deep learning and machine learning is doing that's amazing um, some of the remote sensing from like point cloud like lidar actually seeing change detection with flooding and or trees have been knocked over that stuff's unbelievable uh, especially when you've got major cat major cat events in which you know adjusters can't get in there like fema's right. declared a disaster zone but we can still take pictures and fly airplanes that stuff is to me is amazing it's all about making the policyholder whole as quickly as possible. And we love being a, a backbone to help in that. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely sounds like lots of innovation and just the, the sheer granularity of the data sources that you're pulling from. Yep, like absolutely. Internal, external, you know, from the core system, from, uh, from different other partners that are out there. Yep, that's exactly right. Cool. Well, I think uh, our time here is coming to an end, Ben. Anything you'd like to add before we wrap it up? No, just uh, again, Rob, super grateful to have to spend time with you um, really have enjoyed. So I've spent the last couple of months working closely with the, uh, with the Duck Creek team 
and just uh, first-class people. I mean, they're just great, smart, collaborative teams. So we, we've really uh, enjoyed the time. And yeah, maybe just a shout out to my mom. Hi, mom. I, I listened. <laughs> I listened when you told me. So uh, yeah, much love. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bad. Thank you for coming on the show today. And thank you all for listening. You can learn more about Opterix by going to opterix.com. Uh, also look out for some more information on the Duck Creek website about our partnership coming soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all of our other episodes and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, by visiting duckcreek.com slash podcasts. I'm Rob Savitsky, and I'll see you in the next episode.